What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 87 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. And Core, Super Bowl 57 is in two days. I'm excited to finally talk about that and give our sides of our game previews as well. Before that, though, Core, we got to talk about some of the biggest news in the league. Tom Brady not playing in the Super Bowl this year as we saw him get eliminated by the Dallas Cowboys. And won't be stepping on to an NFL field again. He announced his retirement last week. So we didn't get to touch on that in the last episode, last week's episode. So we will touch on that here before we give our Super Bowl preview. But yeah, a loaded episode coming. I'm definitely excited to get to it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Super Bowl 57, obviously in reach. Tom Brady also retiring like last Monday, I think. So yeah. Also, yeah, a little more to unfold just besides the Super Bowl. So it's not just a Super Bowl episode. Got a little more to get into, but ready to ready to talk about it yeah so we will start with tom brady first announcing his retirement from the nfl after 23 seasons the last three being with the tampa bay buccaneers i actually believe the retirement was last wednesday if i'm not mistaken because we posted our oh, episode wednesday? wednesday morning that's eight. that's okay oh, yeah. yeah yeah february 1st so yeah it was last wednesday and like we said we recorded tuesday night that episode goes up wednesday morning and we were like uh-oh we woke up to tom brady on a beach announcing his retirement like that was kind of tough I don't want to say we were completely shocked I think that we knew this was kind of coming in the works I mean Brady even said he wanted to play until he was 45 which he ended up doing I really truly think though with him announcing his retirement this year I really think he was done after last year he signed the two-year deal in Tampa Bay as well and then like it got all leaked out that he was going to retire and he wasn't really able to announce on his own obviously then he retired for about five weeks I was like I'm going back but, yeah, I really think in his true heart of hearts, he thought he was only going to play two years in Tampa Bay. Maybe felt like he extended himself one too many years. And, yeah, I mean, we talked about it a lot last year. Obviously, when we thought he was retired and stuff, we talked about it a lot then. I mean, one of the greatest athletic careers we'll ever watch in our lifetime. I mean, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time regular season MVP. I believe he was a six-time All-Pro, made, I think, 15 or something Pro Bowls. The most quarterback wins, the most yards, the most touchdowns. That those obviously make sense because of his longevity. But I mean, yeah, just dominance at the most difficult position in sports. All of this from a guy who was picked in the sixth round, pick 199 of the NFL draft. I mean, it just goes to show you what an awesome, awesome story and stuff like that. Something that again, if we were to see anything like that across any sport, really, in our lifetime, it would be an honor to. So yeah, Tom Brady, I mean. What what a ride! I mean, definitely, a lot of people could dislike him and stuff like that. Like, but at the end of the day, how can you not respect him and appreciate his greatness? Because I mean, yeah, like we we mentioned Mahomes and stuff like that and his greatness, but it's always followed with Brady and like can he, like we're always like Brady is the now the benchmark of comparison when we talk about greatness in the NFL. I agree with you, and I think yeah. The thing that makes Tom Brady that people – it kind of goes unnoticed because this guy was is the greatest quarterback of all time is, yeah, I mean, this guy went round six, 199th overall. I mean, his com- – you look at him in the combine, guys running, I don't know, definitely over five seconds, like pretty slow. Did not look like the most athletic guy. It just shows that – I mean, yeah, Tom Brady is not your five – I don't know what, what he was in high school, but he's not like your five-star college recruit coming out first-round pick. And he's like the greatest quarterback of all time. So I think guys in the NFL, obviously, like Tom Brady, is, along with being the greatest quarterback of all time, is also a really good story. Just to, just showing like how late he was he was picked. And when it comes to retiring, I think yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point. I think last year he was set on retiring. You know, he's he's got guys like Adam Schefter leaking his retirement. And it just seems like Brady's the type of guy who's just, you know, he's just like that competitive guy. He's like, I don't want this guy Schefter sabotaging my retirement. So I think he went out there, tried to put together another year. But, I mean, I kind of – like, you just saw, like, a lot of the year. I mean, Tom Brady, even if he were to stay on, like, a team and play for, like, the Raiders or the 49ers or the Jets, whoever it was. I mean, Tom Brady's at the at the stage of his career where he – it's just, like, he's not really elevating – his team as much as obviously he once was on, on the Patriots and early in his like earlier on the Bucks. So I think maybe last year would have been more ideal, but I mean, when you're this great of a quarterback, you, you could really call it quits when, whenever you want to be honest. So, and there's never really a wrong time for Tom Brady, but I think, yeah, yeah. I think even the playoff game 
it kind of just was – he could have came back, but I think it was just like how much really does Tom Brady really have in the tank to go out there and have a successful season where he could end on it and be like, yeah, this is this is how I want to go out. So I think it's all right for him to call it quits. Obviously the greatest of all time. The longevity is crazy. I mean, you look at like guys in the league. There's guys in the league who were not even born, like one years old when Tom Brady was a rookie. So, I mean, it just shows how long he's been doing this. All respect to him. And yeah, I mean, what a career. And there's no way going out sad for Tom Brady when you have seven Super Bowl rings. So, yeah, the guy's the GOAT, and, and that's that. Yeah, he'll be taking a step, looks like fully away from the NFL, really, in 2023. He announced that he'll go into the broadcast booth in 2024, starting in that season. So, obviously, we'll, we haven't seen, of course, the last of him. He'll be awesome as an analyst there. Cannot wait to hear some of his insight for games and stuff. And, yeah, I mean, again, we weren't even born yet when Tom Brady was drafted into the NFL coming out of Michigan. Even at Michigan, it almost seemed like when he finally took over as a starting quarterback, they had Drew Henson as well, who was this crazy two-sport athlete, is like trying like would push, kind of like push Brady out of some games, and Brady would have to come back and end up willing Michigan to victory. And like you said, just an awesome underdog story. A guy who you just look at him and you're maybe like not like, all right, this guy's the most athletic guy out there. And, uh, yeah, look what he was able to do. I, I do think that he still had, like, maybe a little bit left in the tank, but if he were to take another step that like, he definitely regressed from 2021 to 2022, and if he took, like, a similar regression to this past year, like, it would have been, like, maybe tough to watch. So I think he still goes out relatively strong. Like, again, he wasn't, like, an embarrassment this past year. Like, he like he had a better last year than Peyton Manning. Like, Peyton Manning, when they won the Super Bowl Denver, he left. I mean, they like, he was really bad that year. Like, Brady was not, like, that bad with the Bucs. I still think Brady could have technically, like, I mean, if he would have went to, like, the Niners, I think, again, not saying, this isn't saying a ton, but I think he could have definitely taken the Niners deep into the playoffs and potentially won the Super Bowl with them next year, let's just say. But, yeah, no problem with Tom Brady going out. Nothing left to prove for the guy. Um, again, he, maybe people thought that he was going to go out after he threw that pick in the playoffs to Logan Ryan when it was, like, his last with the Patriots, but instead he went to the Bucs. I really revived his career like 2021. I mean, he was really, really good. Obviously, won the Super Bowl, and then that regular season, he was really good. They ended up losing to the Rams, but yeah, I mean, again, it's not gonna be the last that we talk about Brady, of course. Like I said, because he'll be back in NFL circles and stuff commentating. But yeah, just uh, just uh, at the end of an era, almost. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is really now one of the last quarterbacks that we really like grew up with. If you want to go with Breeze, Roethlisberger. Both of the Mannings, Philip Rivers, Brady now, and Aaron Rodgers is it, right? Like after Rodgers, then it, like you kind of flip the page and it goes to your guys like Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, I guess, to a lesser extent. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's almost – the window's almost closing. But if I missed anybody, I'm sorry. I, did, I didn't do it intentionally. That's just like who came off my mind. But Tom Brady and J.J. Watt getting to go into the Hall of Fame together, I believe that'll be in 2028. will definitely be a sight to see in Canton, Ohio. Core, let's move on to some more of a brighter subject. We'll talk about some defensive coordinator hires that have been made in the past couple weeks. We'll first start in Carolina. Ajiro Avero, I believe I said that right. Forgive me if I did. Is going from Denver, who wasn't fired in Denver, but Denver let him take some interviews with other jobs, obviously, with a new regime and Sean Payton coming in there. He goes under Frank Reich to be the defensive coordinator there. Their former defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, goes to the 49ers to be their defensive coordinator and replace Demeco Ryans. Both of these guys, like you said, had some success last year. I thought the Panthers' defense was really well played really well. And the Broncos' defense, I mean, remember, that was like that big stat how if like Denver had scored 17 points every game. Like they would have been like one of the best teams in the league because their defense was really good. So I'm excited to see both of these guys in their new spots. Like I said, both guys were successful last year. So for them to get new jobs, it's interesting. I think they both have more talent to work with. I mean, Steve Wilkes specifically in San Francisco too, it's a good spot for him because he did well as the interim coach in Carolina. Now he's, going to a spot where Salah was just hired as a head coach. And then after that, Demeco Ryan's hired as a head coach. So it almost seems like that 49ers defensive coordinator position is one of the best coordinator spots that you could really have. So good for Steve Wilkes. Um, and then lastly, Brian Flores goes to Minnesota. I know you probably want to touch on that one more. Minnesota's defense definitely kind of a mess this year. Flores obviously fired in Miami, then was working with the Steelers this past year. 
But hopefully for him, I mean, this is a guy who's probably deserving of a head coaching spot. He can get right with Minnesota, prove why he's such a good defensive mastermind and potentially even interview for head coaching spots as soon as next year. But yeah, I mean, three real big time defensive coordinator hires uh, within the past week. So I'm excited to see all three of these guys in action and see them back on the sidelines. Yeah, I mean, that 49ers position, like you said, these guys, Salah, D'Amico, Ryan's like, it's almost like, it's like that job that has that somehow like good connections, I guess. It's got to be a combination of just like you got really good talent on the defensive side, but also, I mean, good coaching, I guess. And these guys, it's translated to head coaching positions. So if you want to get there, I mean, Steve Wilkes, obviously in the right place. But yeah, and, and Averro, obviously, like, yeah, we know how good that Denver defense was. So the Panthers, who have a solid defense themselves, obviously getting a, a nice defensive Play call. And then, yeah, Brian, Brian Flores, obviously, when he was on Miami, I, I liked him as a head coach. I, I didn't love him getting fired, I think. Yeah, may, Miami maybe wanted to go another direction and bringing in offensive-minded head coach in, in Mike McDaniel. But Flores still a really good coach. Obviously, he's had experience as a, as a head coach. And, I mean, he goes to Minnesota, a good team, who if, like, their defense was better – I mean, obviously, they won, what, 13 games this past season with a pretty mediocre-type defense. So I think Brian Flores, that's a good place to go prove himself. And, yeah, I mean, he has experience as a as a head coach in previous years with the Dolphins. So, I mean, he can do a good job. I think, you know, every single year there are head coaching vacancies. So, I mean, Flores, a guy definitely – was was good on Miami, so I think if he does well in Minnesota, could definitely work his way back to head coaching presence. Yeah, I definitely think all three of the guys that we mentioned here could will be in head coaching interviews next season, pending that they have success at these new spots. Core, I will talk about a little bit now two teams that still have not hired a head coach, which one I think is maybe a little bit surprising because – I mean, we're already going into the second weekend of February. Like, the new year of the league starts in a month now. So these two teams are kind of a little bit behind the eight ball with the Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, obviously, with the Super Bowl still going on, there are still potential candidates. It doesn't look like Eric Bieniemy is really in the running for any of these jobs, which is a shame. It looks like he's actually more in the running for Washington's offensive coordinator spot and Baltimore Ravens as well, which would be interesting to see him take a lateral move. But – with him not being hired as a head coach recently, maybe that's he has to get out of Kansas City and try to prove himself there, which I guess is just like it's unfair, but it might just have to be what he has to do. But both of the Eagles coordinators, Shane Steichen, their offensive coordinator, and Jonathan Gannon, definitely in head coaching circles for the Cardinals and the Colts. I'll start with the Colts first, I guess. Like Jeff Saturday, they say, is actually a real running candidate. Like, one, I think that's crazy, and do you agree with me? And, like, two – do you think that this is a disadvantage that they've had now have to wait, like they're waiting this long to hire a coach? Or do you think like at the end of the day, like as long as they have the right guy for the job, it's not that big of a deal. Like you don't just want to like rush something just be just to hire somebody. Honestly, I, I don't think Saturday did like a terrible job. I think that was a team who was trying to lose, but honestly, yeah, I mean, I think Jeff Saturday, not going to lie. I, I, I like the guy, but I just, there's definitely more qualified head coaches out there opposed to Jeff Saturday. I know he was like a really good center with the Colts, but I mean, yeah, him still being in the consideration. I mean, maybe we'll, I'll say that's more due to the fact, you know, maybe that's just like some, some bias with, with the Colts team, but I, overall I don't see them hiring Jeff Saturdays, their full-time head coach. I just don't think that's, I also like, obviously it's, he played for the Colts, but I just don't think that would be right. Like, obviously, it's their organization, but there obviously are guys out there more qualified and have put in work and have good work on their resume. Opposed to, I mean, Jeff Saturday, what had what he coached like a high school football team? I mean, it's not like they really like yeah, they were trying to lose, but at the end of the day, like they they didn't win games. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they played good against like Minnesota some other competitive games, but yeah, I, I don't see Jeff Saturday really being the NFL, being the Colts head coach in 2023. Yeah. And I think maybe some people are overreacting that Ursay is coming out and being like, yeah, he's still in the running. Well, one, I think that's just a respect thing. Cause it seems like they obviously have to have a really good relationship between the two, a well-respected one at least. And two, but if they, like if they were going with Saturday, they would have just hired him already. Like they weren't going to wait this long 
You know what I mean? Them waiting this long means that they probably really like one of the Eagles coordinators and really want to interview him. The same thing with the Cardinals, who it looked like the job was down to Flores, who then took the Vikings defensive coordinator job. So I guess he was told that he was out of it. And then the other two finalists, Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator, and Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. But they just announced, you know what, we're going to wait till after the Super Bowl as well. So maybe you're thinking that it's not one of them two as well. And they want to interview the Eagles coordinators. I'll go with this core too. Like we mentioned the Colts as a team. They don't like their future is definitely up in the air. Like they need a new quarterback and stuff like that. They have like the Cardinals. It's rare that you could say that like a head coaching vacancy opens up when you have arguably a top 10 quarterback on your roster already. And I know he's hurt, but like, don't you think it's a little alarming that in a league so dominated now by quarterbacks, you have a pretty good one in Arizona, Kyler Murray, or you think, and like, you're not able to attract like a marquee head coaching job. Like I, I personally think that's definitely a little bit alarming for the situation going on in Arizona. I'm curious, like you're kind of in agreement there. And like, like, do you think that's a little bit worrisome? And do you think that says anything maybe about like Kyler or just like the situation in Arizona? I think it looks upon maybe Kyler. Like I love Kyler as a quarterback, but maybe like coaches or, or teams like coaches are thinking, He's more of like a highlight reel type player. And I don't know, maybe like his work ethic that, I mean, I don't know his work ethic, obviously, but obviously like the rumors of him playing like Call of Duty and stuff. I wouldn't say it's concerning. I think obviously eventually they'll get a head coach. I mean, he's also coming off a torn ACL. Oh, it was ACL. Yeah. Off a torn ACL. And he's not going to be there for the start of the season, Mm -hmm. which I think kind of maybe, yeah, no, I think that, is definitely a reason. I mean, who's the quarterback going to be for like those games, like Colt McCoy, or I don't know. Like if they don't like with El Kyler Murray, that team is bottom five team in the NFL. I mean, I think bottom five, honestly could be a little bit generous. It's just not a good team, especially. Yeah. I mean, Kyler Murray without him, it's just not a good team. So I don't think it's really that concerning. It's just like, you don't know when you're going to get Kyler, Kyler Murray back. I think, I think they'll obviously get a coach, but I mean, I think if Kyler was like healthy and they won, I don't know, like seven, eight games, I think they'd be able to get a coach by now. So I don't think it's that concerning. I think it has to do a little bit more with Kyler, Kyler not being healthy, but not him as like when he's healthy. I think it's more of just like his, his availability right now. Yeah. I'm in a hundred percent agreement too. I think so. Maybe some of it, is a little bit of the concerns, but I think most of it is just like him getting healthy and can he return to the type of player he is? Because again, like if you're a young offensive minded coach, like a Mike Kafka, like stepping into a head coaching job where you already have like a pro bowl level town at quarterback definitely would benefit you a ton. So I think that it's just like, yeah, can Kyler come back to full strength from this injury? And like, when is he going to come back to with that? One guy that won't be on the Cardinals anymore, Core, uh, we'll be very brief on this. We talked about Tom Brady retiring. A.J. Green mm-hmm. hung up the cleats, did play his final two years in Arizona. Seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time second-team All-Pro. I mean, a guy who was a former top-five pick and had some real good years in Cincinnati will definitely be one of the underrated receivers, I would say, of the 2010s. And when we look back personally from our era of dominant receivers, we'll easily go with Calvin. We'll go with Antonio Brown before him, even like Larry Fitz before him. But A.J. Green, by all means, definitely deserves to be mentioned in some of those conversations. He was a real steady presence, obviously, with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. A shame that like his last two years in Arizona were kind of like a wash, maybe overshadowed a little bit by J.J. Watt's retirement tour. Both of them actually from the same draft class, just a funny nugget. But, yeah, um, good for A.J. Green and hopefully brighter futures ahead for him. But I definitely wanted to get some respect on A.J. Green's name. He definitely deserved that. Maybe a Hall of Famer. It'll be I, – I, I, like, his – his I, like, I'd say over 10,000 yards in his career. Like, his will probably be, like, close. Like, I'm not – like, he's not a surefire Hall of Famer, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't make those decisions. Before we get into our Super Bowl preview core, I will Ooh, mention a little bit – kind of want to – yeah, touch on A.J. Green, please. I'm I just want to touch on a, just a drop of A.J. Green. I was going to say, you know, like those receivers, I kind of used to think Odell, I think at that time, was kind of in there. Like Odell, uh, Antonio Brown. Yes. Des Bri- Des Bri- I even think Des Bryant, your D-Hop was D-Hop above. Like, like I even think Des Bryant, too, like will be remembered Brandy just Marshall? as much as. Yeah, Brandon Marshall, too. Like there, there's just there's such a ton of volume at receiver just because of how like the game started to like – evolve into such like a passing offense league. But again, AJ Green was almost like 
the elite elite. Like AJ Green had a better career than Des Bryant. Des Bryant just also played in Dallas, so you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I think AJ Green. I mean, yeah, first five years of his career in Cincinnati he was an absolute problem. Yo, how much? How disrespectful is 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 asking you? Uh, <laughs> oh, AJ come on! Don't ask me where AJ Green went to college, Georgia. Come on now. Like, yeah, that's, uh, that's ridiculous. That's I think Aaron Murray was the quarterback when he went there too. So, oh wow, I mean, that was a nice little connection. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to put it. I think AJ Green definitely belongs in that. Like maybe he's not as good, obviously, as like Antonio Brown or Calvin or like any of those guys. But I mean, I think he's on like the lower tier one. Like he's still in that tier. Like he's not as top of those guys, but like he's. I'd still put AJ Green enough respect in in that tier. Like he's. Not, I don't think he's better than like Des either, or like D Hop. But I still think he 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 did enough work to to get into that tier. So a uh, good career for him. Doesn't like his last few years weren't that great. He kind of hung around a little. Like his last four years, he kind of really didn't do much. But hey, I thought it, it's a really good career. I mean, thirty-four years old, guy deserves retirement. So good, good career for for AJ Green. Yeah, I mean, he won't be in Canton in his first week, like his first year that he's eligible, probably with Tom Brady and JJ Watt. But maybe, like I said, maybe he gets his gold jacket someday. But before I get into our Super Bowl preview, I just want to touch on one thing with the NFL Honors, which by the time you're hearing this, the NFL Honors would have aired. It is airing tonight, Thursday, February 9th. We kind of know some of the awards and how they're going to play out. Like Patrick Mahomes will be the MVP. We expect Justin Jefferson, for example, to be named Offensive Player of the Year. I would assume Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year. Core, one award that's definitely up in the air, I would say, would be Comeback Player of the Year. And right now, if you look at the betting market, the two betting favorites were Geno Smith and Saquon Barkley. They're about even, like this, about have like the same odds. I'm just curious how you feel about Comeback Player of the Year. Norm, like in the past, like we've seen like guys like, I mean, it's going back a little further now, Keenan Allen after he tore his ACL in week one when Comeback Player of the Year. We saw Eric Berry after coming over, like coming off cancer have an all-pro season and be named comeback player of the year. This year, the two big candidates, like Saquon, don't get me wrong, he definitely had an injury plagued, obviously, 2020. And then 2021, coming back from the ACL, did deal with some injuries. But I still believe, like, if I'm not mistaken, Saquon played, like, out of the 17 games last year, I want to say 13, maybe? Like, mm-hmm. he still played a decent amount of games last year, which definitely, like, I don't want to, again, I, like, I know he was still banged up and stuff like that. I guess – Maybe in comeback player of the year, what I always like just related to is a guy who was out for the whole year and stuff like that. And then like Geno Smith, yeah, he did play 13 games for the record, so I was right there. Geno too, like don't get me wrong, like it's an awesome comeback story for Geno and a redemption tour. But Geno like wasn't hurt, like he wasn't starting. Don't, like maybe most improved I've seen a lot of people throw it out there. That's Geno Smith's. Like maybe it's becoming one of those types of work. Listen, I have no problem with either of them winning the award and stuff like that, of course. But I don't know. Maybe I would like. Maybe just not the same as what I'm used to, like I said, with the comeback player. Like, it just seems funny to compare, like, Eric Berry's comeback player of the year. And even, like like I said, Keenan Allen having the torn ACL. I definitely have to think of a couple more guys. I'll find some compared to these guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this year's guys, Saquon, Gino, it's kind of more along – like, these guys – like, Gino, I don't even know. Was Gino on a roster last year? G- yeah, G- yeah Gino, Gino's just been the backup in yeah. S- Seattle. And he wasn't, like, the backup in – um. Said uh, char- Chargers. Chargers as well. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah. even to go back, and I'm so, I'm sorry to go back a little further. Now, like if you look back, like Burrow won it off the torn ACL, right? Then Alex Smith won comeback player of the year, obviously with that gruesome injury. Like you know what I mean? Like that just kind of seems like more of like I don't know. Like I said, I have no problem with any of these guys winning it, but that that that's kind of where Tannehill did win it a couple years back too. Like when he kind of had like that career ascension, if you remember. I'm trying to think if he was hurt the year before though. He he, did, he played eleven games the year before, and then he was like the backup in Tennessee, and then he took over for Mariota and kind of like revived his career. So maybe that's like more of like a similar one to Geno Smith in that sense. But I don't know. I don't know how I feel. Like I said, I, I'll take I'll give you the floor back that I kind of took from under your feet. But yeah, I mean, this year obviously, I can't think off the top of my head, guys. Like maybe what like did J.K. Dobbins, but he missed like a lot of time, so it's just like tough. Like there wasn't a lot of guys who were coming off like an injury who had like a really good season in my opinion. I mean, yeah, like CMC, I, like we mentioned before we started this episode, I mean, he really didn't play a lot of games, but there weren't really any guys like Joe Burrow. Okay. I will cut in and I will give you the league, the odds preseason. You had Derrick Henry, 
who that one is fitting because he went out like week six last year with that foot. Winston, McCaffrey, Michael Thomas, Daniel Jones, Mitch Trubisky, Baker Mayfield, who probably almost played every single game, mm-hmm. Chase Young, Deshaun Watson, Juju, Mariota. Don't do yeah. the preseason odds. So, pre- okay, first of all, I'll say this too. Preseason, Gino Smith comeback player of the year odds. What do you th- like? What what could you possibly think there were? Of course, they're like probably like on any book, but like plus, literally ten thousand. I was gonna say like plus like twenty five thousand. Yeah. To be honest, it's mean, funny to think. Yeah, but low key out of those names, dude. Derek Henry did not. I mean, dude, Henry low key. I would put in comeback. Like, why is is this guy even like a finalist for comeback? He, he's like I think like betting odds. He's like fourth. I want to say it's like. Them, the two I mentioned, McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. Dude, Derrick Henry is just like, this guy's not LeBron, obviously. But this dude is an absolute machine. Like, he played eight games last year. What do you like? Did he, like, break his his foot? Yeah, he messed up his foot really bad. Yeah, he ran for, like, a disgusting amount of yards, too, in those eight games. Dude, he also had a full full season's workload in those eight games. Oh, yeah, (laughs) no. 30 carries a game almost. You give credit to that. Though. I mean, he comes off an injury, and he's okay, he had 350 carries this year. I mean, like, guy's just an absolute animal. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Saquon had a really good season, definitely more efficient than Henry. But I don't know. I mean, Henry, I think, would be good for – if I had to pick, you know, I'd give it to Henry, honestly. But if, if those two are the betting favorites – like, yeah, I don't think – like, neither one of them are coming off. I mean, Saquon obviously tore his ACL the year before, but I just don't think – I'd probably give it to Saquon kind of just because I think he had, like, a vintage-type year. And to me, Gino was, like, comeback, like, what? Like, Gino was never really at that level. It was more of just, like, wasn't that good. I mean, back in the day on the Jets, what was he, like, mid at best? So, I, yeah, I mean – this year, kind of more of just like a most improved type thing of the guys they got in. But I'd probably give it to Saquon between those two guys. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it is. Like, I, I, I guess, honestly, like, I'll probably side with Gino personally just because, like, Saquon, like I said, did play 13 games. Now, if you were talking about Saquon last year, then, yeah. Last year, when Burrow won it, I mean, it was a stacked field. You had Prescott, who had that brutal injury against the Giants. You had Saquon, who played the two games coming up in ACL. McCaffrey had only played three games in 2020. Bosa tore his ACL, like, week two against the Jets that year. Burrow you had as well. It's like that year was kind of a stacked class. Odell tore his ACL that year as well. So, you know what I mean? Like, that was kind of like a stacked class preseason, you would think. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll see who won. Even, like, Mixon, he broke his foot in Mm. 2020. He only played, like, six games. Wow, that's funny. Like I'm just realizing, like Mixon and Henry, like literally back to back years, like broke their foot like the same week against the Colts. That's just a freak thing. I'm getting a little off topic here, but yeah, we'll see what the NFL honors. We'll talk about some of our reactions and stuff. We haven't really given any predictions this year and stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like I feel like most of them are kind of set in stone. So we'll react to them. We'll give those guys their flowers after they receive their awards and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely something to tune into tonight. Finally, core, we can get to our Super Bowl 57 preview. The thing that everybody has been waiting for, the Philadelphia Eagles against the Kansas City Chiefs. Both of these teams, the one seeds, both of these teams, 14-3 and three in the regular season, 16-3 and three total because of their 2 and all playoff records. I'll start with this first core. This is now, last year, we didn't see one of the one seeds get to the Super Bowl with it being the Rams and the Bengals this year. The second year of the expanded playoffs with only one bye, both of those teams get to the Super Bowl. I'm curious, do you think that that bye is like that much of an advantage compared to other teams? And like, how much do you think the bye really helped? Because I mean, if you look at it too in the AFC specifically, like the Bills, if the Bills had a bye, they don't, they avoid Cincinnati potentially altogether. If Cincinnati has a bye, like maybe they get Kansas City after they're beat up playing Buffalo. And in the NFC, I, I, I don't know how it's like if, if the San Francisco got a buy, maybe like I, I don't know how that plays out. I still think the Purdy injury plays more, but like, like I, I feel like this kind of shows just like how much of an advantage it is to have that one buy now. The one seed, I think for sure, is just really big since only, yeah, one of them, only one team gets the buy. I mean, this year, the buy in the AFC I thought was extremely important because it was 
not only did it, I mean, obviously if it was Bills, Chiefs, it would have been a neutral site, but like, yeah. I feel like usually there's kind of three really good teams in, in the conference. And obviously like both divisions, it was it was kind of like that in my opinion. I mean, you had Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and then the other one you had Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas. And then there was kind of a drop-off. So, I mean, yeah, that bye also helps you dodge the 2-3 matchup in the second round, which mm-hmm. – and you get home field in, in the AFC or NFC championship game. So, yeah, I think the bye – it's definitely a lot and definitely helpful. And you get – yeah, I think the Chiefs, if they had a healthy, more healthy Mahomes, probably win that game. Or, like, guys don't get hurt, they probably win that game by more than more than three. So, yeah, I think the bye obviously is more important. Like, the number one seed is more important than in most years. And honestly, I like it because it keeps things way more competitive because teams know how important that bye is. That, that number one seed is like teams aren't just going to be like, oh, we got the two seed. We could we can get a bye. So I, I, I honestly like it. Yeah, I think that's one of the underrated things about them expanding the playoffs is that it going to one bye extends the regular season that much more because with two buys, like, you know what I mean? Maybe teams going into week 17 could like in the old days when it was only 16 game season could be like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? We're, we have the bye locked up. We're going to arrest our guys. Now it's like, yeah, you're fighting to the end and each team is going to play a full 17 game schedule. So it definitely makes the regular season more competitive. Like in years past, we wouldn't have had to see Jalen Hurts play that week 18 game against the Giants, for example. So that's definitely a good sight to see in that sense with the bye. But yeah, I just definitely wanted to bring up that nugget. We'll talk a little bit how some of these teams got there. We mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles. We will start with first. Definitely crazy to think that, like we said, they were in Super Bowl 52. They won that Super Bowl, obviously, with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz at the helm. Wentz kind of falls off a little bit. And right before Wentz falls off, the Eagles make Jalen Hurts a second-round draft pick in 2020. To a lot of people's disarray, obviously, with all their wide receiver problems that they had. They go and choose a backup quarterback, but it's like the Eagles self-scouted themselves. And you know what they said? Possibly, maybe we'll, we see like some value in Hurts in the second round, and especially if Wentz were to take a step back, which he ended up doing in that 2020 season, then we could turn to Hurts in 2021. And maybe we can, like I said, find a diamond in a rough. And that's exactly what they've had. We mentioned how much work they did in the offseason to kind of fill certain holes, signing Hassan Reddick, trading for A.J. Brown, trading for C.J. Gardner-Johnson, as well as signing James Bradbury, who was released from the Giants. So they built their team in the trenches. They were good in the trenches last year, a really good, really run-first team last year that their passing offense was good when it needed to. But this year they really took the next step as a team. I think it helped them as well as like the way that the schedule evolved. The NFC East as a whole just had an easier schedule. But make no mistake about it, Philadelphia was still a dominant team. Nick Sirianni is the second year as coach, is the front runner for coach of the year, which would be well-deserved. But, yeah, I mean, again, for how we see – like it's crazy to think that the last time when the Eagles Mahomes. were in that Super Bowl, that was Mahomes' first year, right? So since Mahomes oh, has now became a starter, technically, oh, he wasn't a starter. Yeah, you good? Yeah, yeah, because that was like it's twenty. It was like twenty in twenty eighteen, like February twenty eighteen. Yeah, so it wasn't the starter yet. Yeah. yeah. So, but like it's just crazy to think that like during Mahomes' run, the Eagles have technically had quote unquote two franchise quarterbacks and two coaches, and now they're in another Super Bowl. So I just think it's really impressive the Eagles rebuild. I think it definitely inspires some hope in some other ugly areas of certain teams and certain franchises. That you know what, if you have really the right man as your general manager, such as Howie Roseman, that you really can bounce back and make an awesome comeback. Yeah, we've talked about the Eagles rebuild a few times on this on this podcast, obviously. And obviously it's just really impressive how they how they've done it from I mean, yeah, I think we've I just think, yeah, Jalen Hurts obviously becoming like a really good quarterback, I think, has helped. And then yeah, I think the trenches on both sides of the ball have certainly helped this team. I mean, they they get after the quarterback on they get Hassan Reddick, obviously, this offseason. They have other pass rushers, obviously. And then, yeah, their O-line is just the best in the NFL. So I think you look you look at a good O-line, a good D-line, in a good run game. Like a, like a, that's just like such a perfect mix of like everything. Like a good O-line, a good D-line, and a dual threat quarterback. It just – and like it just like – I don't know. Like that team just sounds like it's going to be good and they're stacked on the outside and in the secondary – so it's just like the Eagles roster. If you want to, like, if they win the Super Bowl, 
I was actually hearing it on on the on like the TV a few days ago. Like if the Eagles do win the Super Bowl, you think about it, they match up like well against like even some of the best all time teams. Like I hate this. I don't like saying that, but I mean they lost once with Jalen Hurts, and it was on like a Monday Night Football game where they like were big favorites and they they just lost. But the other two games, like Jalen Hurts didn't even play against the Saints or against the Cowboys, and you can argue if, if Jalen Hurts played they. They might win both those games. So, I mean, one lost team, if they could complete this and win the Super Bowl, I don't know. I mean, they got to, I think they can go down, despite like the easy schedule, like they got to go down, in my opinion, as one of like the most dominant or best teams of all time. Call me crazy, but like, I think their resume kind of speaks for itself and their roster does as well. Yeah, I was definitely going to mention that. I think their roster is potentially one of, from top to bottom, one of the best. Like in NFL recent memory, I think the one thing there's a couple things that'll hold them back, maybe even if they win the Super Bowl, about being one of the best like teams of all time, quote unquote, is one like if you look at the elite of the elite talent, right? Like they don't have an MVP, right? They don't have an offensive player of the year, they don't have a defensive player of the year because they're so good in the trenches and stuff. Don't get me wrong, Darius Slay is a pro bowler, um, Bradbury's a pro bowler, AJ Brown's a pro bowler, but like you know what I mean? Those guys aren't like the best at their position at like the fancy position. Even Hurts isn't the best quarterback at the position or a top three quarterback, let's just say. So maybe that potentially holds them back. But top to bottom, no holes. This team is amazing. And I think that as well, like their regular season was so dominant, but like they don't have any like crazy marquee wins just because of like their schedule. And even in the playoffs, like they beat the 49ers with Josh Johnson and injured Brock Purdy. Like they dismantled the Giants, a team that maybe was like, a little ahead of schedule being in that game. So I think that could potentially hold them back, but I don't think it necessarily should take anything away from them. Building on that argument, do you think that kind of like their lack of strength of schedule during the regular season, and even if you look back on their schedule, like the last time they really played a four-quarter game with Hurts now is going back to the Chicago game where he got banged up in because then Minshew played the next two weeks they lost. They played that game against the Giants, I'll say. But like, you know, like that's not the thing. I, I won't even like – I don't want to like dismantle that, discredit that game and everything, but like, come on. Like that was like, wasn't anything crazy. And then their two playoff games haven't really been high intensity at all. So do you think you're a little worried that like, should this game get in like late into the third, late into the fourth quarter that they could potentially be at a disadvantage where the chiefs have been playing these close games, obviously last week with Cincinnati, or two weeks ago with Cincinnati, even that Jacksonville game was a close game up until the end and Agnew's fumbles. Like, do you think that's a disadvantage for the Eagles? Or do you think that they're a good enough team to overcome that? You could look at it as definitely something that's a little bit a little bit scary. They haven't really been in a lot of high intense, like come down to the fourth quarter type games. But, you know, I, I'm just banking on I just think this is such a talented team. Like, yeah, you said like they don't have like an MVP. I mean, I mean, Jalen Hurts, he doesn't miss time. He, he probably wins the MVP, but I get what you're saying. Like they don't have like I won't say Jalen Hurts is like a superstar. Yeah, like they really don't have like a superstar type player like they're solid all around but i i just think like yeah i think when you're like this solid all around you just got to trust like i just think the what they've done all year i mean i think like i i'm not the eagles but like if i'm like that good of a team i just think you gotta you just gotta trust everyone around you when you're even down in games like you the mentality's not like oh we haven't been here a lot or in a while, like, what are we going to do? I think it's just we got the guys, we got the dogs to get this done, and it'll be able to – like, they'll be able to get it done. I, I'm really not concerned if they had to get into a type of game like that where it's late in the fourth and they're down a little or it's a close game and they need to stop. I'm confident in their team to to be able to get that done and, and have a shot to, to do that. Yeah, I think recently, too, one of my favorite ways to try to depict, like, a team like like are they a super worthy team like kind of how we get late into the regular season and then into the playoffs is like can the team like how many different ways can you win as a team like can you win the shootouts can you win the defensive battles can you win if your run game goes south can you win if your defense can't get a stop right and I think Philadelphia checks a lot of those boxes I think they can beat you in multiple ways Philadelphia can hold you to 10 points they are one of the best defenses in the league Philadelphia can run you into oblivion and Yes, maybe at certain times they haven't done it this year, but I think there's enough talent both with Jalen Hurts as a thrower, their offensive line, and their receivers outside that 
if they got into a game where they had to win in the 30s and airing the ball out, I do think that they can do that. So I even think maybe more so their attack could be more balanced than Kansas City's, and I think that that could potentially give them an advantage. Before we get into some of the advantages, we'll just touch on the Chiefs. Obviously, this is their third Super Bowl in four years, an awesome run from Mahomes. I think it'd be a little too premature to say that this is a game that Mahomes has to have or else he would fall to one and two in the Super Bowl. But it's crazy to think that the Chiefs, like in a year where maybe they weren't supposed to be like as dominant as they have in years past. I mean, I look back to that year after they won the Super Bowl, the year that they lost to the Bucs in the Super Bowl, they were like 14 and one in the regular season and like benched everybody in week 17. Like that Chiefs team was incredible. Right. That was like that was probably like the best of the best that we've seen of the Chiefs. That was the year they lost to the Bucs. Yeah. Why is that so, season kind of blanking on I me? Mean, that 2020 that was season. The, on, the only loss they had that year was in Arrowhead to Derek Carr. They lost like 40 to 32, I'm pretty sure, that game to the Raiders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and then they ended up going into the playoffs, ended up winning. Uh, that was when, like, Baker, like, they played the Browns in the playoffs that year. Aside the point, but, like, it's just crazy thing, again, like, that they weren't even, like – it was like all oh, the Broncos and the Chargers get all these assets and stuff, even the Raiders and stuff. And the Chiefs, like they trade away Tyree Kill, and it still doesn't matter. Mahomes goes on to have one of the best seasons, if not the best season of his career. Like you said, it's a team that's not going anywhere, Kansas City, for the next decade. And yeah, how they got here, well, they've just been here. Like for Philadelphia, they've had to overcome like some homes and they've had to build their team the right way. For Kansas City, guess what? This team's been built. They're in the middle of their Super Bowl window and their Super Bowl window doesn't look like it's closing anytime soon, which is crazy to think that they traded away one of the best receivers in the sport, but it just doesn't matter. I agree with that. I mean, Kansas City has, they've been, uh, they five straight AFC championship games, obviously. So they've, have experience. I mean, they've, this is going to be their third Super Bowl that, yeah, they, they've been to. So, I mean, I think when it, when you think of it like that, I think the Eagles are kind of, I don't know. I mean, the expectation, I think, obviously both teams like have to win, but I, I don't know. The Eagles are more, it's like their first time back with this, with this type of like core. Like Patrick Mahomes has been there a while. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I mean, it's just their first time. You think of it like that, obviously the experience is going to go to Kansas City. But, I mean, yeah, I think this Eagles roster, I don't know, like, the contract situations and stuff. But I think win or lose, I mean, if they bring back guys, I know how hard it is to win two Super Bowls in a row. But, I mean, their roster on paper, I mean, is Miles Sanders maybe – think, is he, he a free agent? I mean, they can replace him, I think. But – it's just, yeah, I mean, this Eagles roster is just so talented, I think. I think the Chiefs kind of need this one more, honestly. I just said, like, I kind of think of it. I mean, like, obviously, the Chiefs, I think, will be back and back when you have Patrick Mahomes on your contract for that long. But I think Mahomes kind of needs that second Super Bowl right now. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is young, only what is, like, second year as a true starter in the NFL. I think he could be back. So, I mean, obviously both teams need it, but I think, like, Mahomes need this, needs this more for his legacy. Hey, that, that's a fair take to have. I, I don't know if I'll go that far. I think that, like, I don't know. It's it's tough to say Hurts needs it more for his legacy because I just don't think, like, mm-hmm. you can compare each le- – you know what I mean? Like, that would just be a disservice in a sense like that. I think the only thing that I'll go with, like, maybe the Eagles needing it more now is that, like, yeah, I don't think they're going anywhere, but Hurts is going to have to start getting paid pretty soon. You know what I mean? So then you're going to start losing some talent around him, whereas Mahomes is getting a ton of money and he's still taking them to the Super Bowl. So, again, I think both these teams are still going to be around, of course, and they're going to be dominating their respective conferences for the next years to come. So I'm not going to go into who I necessarily think needs him more, but I do think that um, – I don't know. I, I, do, I do think that would be pretty crazy if the Eagles won. People are already like, oh, Mahomes can't win the big game. Like, please don't get me started with those takes. People are going to be like, oh, he's one and two – especially if they got like dominated this week, they're going to be like, he's one and two got dominated in both of his losses. And the one that he won, he had to like pull a comeback out of his boots. Like, please, I'm not, I am not ready for that. But we've talked so much about the Eagles roster. We've talked about so much about Mahomes score. Let's kind of clarify that. Let's talk about some advantages of both sides of the team. We'll start first with Kansas city. Obviously we've talked about Mahomes as good as Jalen hurts is. They clearly have an advantage. The chiefs at the quarterback position, as well as that tight end Dallas got, it's good. Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends, in NFL history, I'll even go with, and in playoff history too. I mean, he is unreal what his statistics line up against anybody, against any receiver there as well. Head coach as well, Andy Reid, a little bit of 
bittersweet revenge. Obviously, he used to be a head coach with the Philadelphia Eagles, never won a Super Bowl there. So him coaching against the Eagles on the biggest stage will definitely be cool to watch. But yeah, as good as Nick Sirianni, as good of a coach, uh, like coach of the year potentially this year. Um, I mean, the, the Chiefs are definitely better all three spots there. They're better at arguably, you could imagine, the two biggest spots that you need to be, a quarterback and head coach. I'm curious, like, like how much of an advantage do you think that is or do you think that the Eagles strength everywhere else whereas it is on like their offensive and defensive line even if you want to say the perimeter like this their secondary of Philadelphia is better than the skill group of Kansas City and vice versa like do you think that we'll both agree that the Eagles top to bottom have the stronger roster but do you think because of the mm-hmm. star power that Kansas City has at quarterback and the advantage they have at head coach that it almost like equals everything out. See, I think I think it kind of equals equals out in my opinion when you have like Mahomes. I mean, Kelsey obviously is, is yeah one of the best of all time, and Andy Reid, a very experienced coach who obviously, I mean, used to be the coach of the Eagles. So, you know, maybe a little bit revenge situation. Uh, in this one, I think yeah. I think this is a tough one to dictate, but like, I think like the Eagles' run game, obviously, is is a lot better. I mean, I, Isaiah Pacheco runs really well, but like they just don't have just like the personnel. Almost, I don't know. Just like they're they're just not going to get the ball. They're not going to run the ball as well as the as the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles' pass rush is really good. The Eagles' secondary is really good. I just think I think overall though, it definitely equals out. So I think like. Mahomes is a better quarterback than Hurts, obviously, but obviously, like it's it just like two teams come there coming together. Like I think the Chiefs have a good pass offense. The Eagles obviously have a good pass defense secondary, and then I mean the, the they both have top ten run. Like the Chiefs have a top ten run defense. The other team has a top ten run offense. I just think it's a very even match overall. I think like overall, it just becomes even dictating like it just levels out i don't know how to describe that right now i mean we can get more into it like after you talk but i just think overall it's a pretty even matchup if i were going to give a team a slight advantage i'd probably give it to the eagles just because they're i think they're better in in the trenches their secondary is better and they have a better run game but i mean patrick mahomes is just such a a difference maker that i just think he kind of equals it out but i give the slight edge to, to philly yeah, I mean, if you look at some of these teams and their statistics during the regular season and the postseason, by terms of expected points added, EPA, Kansas City's first offensively, Philadelphia's second. I mean, Philadelphia, though, was the most efficient offense in terms of EPA running the ball. Kansas City actually sneaks in at number 10, which I think could potentially be an advantage there. Like, Kansas City's run game wasn't all too terrible this year. It definitely gained some traction in the end of the regular season. And Philadelphia, as good as they've been defending the pass to the best defense in the league defending the pass their run defense has been a little suspect it's the bottom 10 run defense in the league in terms of epa so that's definitely maybe an area that kansas city could exploit i mean if you start looking if we start talking about pass to victory and what each team has to do like kansas city definitely could run the ball i don't know if kansas city has the weapons on the outside to necessarily beat the likes of James Bradbury, Darius Slay, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. I'll probably matched up with Travis Kelsey. So you like the advantage there for Kansas City, either him or, or Avante Maddox against Kelsey. You definitely like that. But, like, I don't want to give away my X factors here, but I definitely think that if Kansas City can run the ball and run the ball efficiently, maybe it could start to open up areas on the outside because I don't think that – guys like Marquez Valdez-Scaling and Juju Smith-Schuster are necessarily going to win consistently against Philadelphia's corners. On the other side, for the Eagles, I think that they have to do an unbelievable job of getting to Mahomes, similar to what Tampa Bay did a couple years back and how they were able to have so much success rushing for. I mean, Philadelphia's pass rush was relentless all season, and I think that if they could get Kansas City into obvious passing downs, it could potentially make them very dangerous and then offensively run 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 the football and like you said you'll have your shots against kansas city but kansas city definitely defends the pass better so i'm, I'm curious i think can like philadelphia has to kind of lean on their run game get after mahomes with four whereas kansas city i think honestly like shouldn't shy away from running the football i'm curious to see if you have any like particular quote-unquote paths to victory that you have noticed 
I, I agree with that, honestly. But I just think paths to victory. I, I could see like the Eagles kind of getting it done both ways. I mean, obviously, I just don't have like on the outside. Is everyone like is Juju and and to- is Tony going to play in this game or or no? yeah, to- Tony? I believe was a limited p- participant, but he's going to go. There's there are no serious injuries on each side of the football. I actually think. The, the biggest injury between the two teams is, I believe, Miko Hardman was put on IR. Okay, so Hardman. Miko Hardman will not be playing. All right. So, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, the thing is, I think if – I think Kansas City's kind of going to have to get it going running. I, I agree with you. Just because, I mean, the Eagles' pass defense is really good. And you look on the outside, I mean, Mahomes is so dominant, but, I mean, he doesn't have great options on the outside. I mean, Travis Kelsey's a tight end, but, I mean, like, Juju, Valdez Gambling, like, Tony, like, those guys are going to have to step up. And I think, I think, honestly, like, one of those, like, maybe a guy like Kadarius Tony, I think, is an X factor in this one. Or we can get into that, but, like, just, like, I think he's an important one in this game just because he kind of has, like, unique ability to – you know, like make guys miss. Like I think he just has more. Like in this one, like obviously Pacheco is the running back, but on the outside, like a difference maker. Like if someone's gonna be a difference maker for Kansas City on the outside, I think it's gonna be Kadarius Tony. Like he has that factor to him, and like I don't think Juju is really a guy like that. He's kind of like more of a reliable guy. But I think like Tony, if he's at his best, like could be a big factor in this one. But then on the other side, I mean, yeah, I mean. Philly, I think the thing that makes them good, I mean, obviously they run, they have a quarterback who can run. They have Miles Sanders. I think Kenneth Gainwell, obviously a guy who, when when he does well, I mean, the team usually wins. I mean, they've lost three times this year, but I've done some, I mean, he scores a touchdown this year. Obviously they're, they are 4-0. They win most of their games, but like they haven't lost when, when he scored a touchdown. So, I mean, path to victory, I kind of think the Eagles are more open to winning in a passing or running tight game more as I think, I don't know. Like I think Mahomes is kind of going to have to get it done through the air. Cause like, I just don't have as much confidence, even though the run defense is great for, for Philly. I mean, I don't know. I just think like Mahomes is going to have to be going to have to go for at least like 275, like 300 yards. And this one, I think like he's going to have to play really good. I think the Eagles definitely are more open to winning this game in different types of ways. Yeah, I think I can agree with that. I think Mahomes definitely has to have a Mahomes-type game for Kansas City to win this game. What I'd say about, like, the run defense was I just think that, like, if Philadelphia can get Kansas City consistently behind the sticks, and I know Kansas City's been great this year on third and long, like, historically good in those situations. It's just that they don't have the talent, I feel, on the outside, and especially with how good some of the pass rushers are on Philadelphia, I mean, I think you had four guys with 10-plus sacks, Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Josh Sweat, Robert Quinn, and I haven't even mentioned Hassan Reddick yet. Like, if you're able to get those guys into obvious passing downs where they could just pin their ears back and rush, like, it could definitely make life pretty difficult on Kansas City. So if they can run the football and stay ahead a little bit, I think that Kansas City gives themselves a really good job to stay on schedule on this one. You kind of mentioned a couple X factors core for Kansas City and Kadarius Tony. I will first mention a couple of mine for Kansas City, and then we'll flip it over to the Philadelphia Eagles. You mentioned Kadarius Tony as an X factor for Kansas City. I'll go a little broader. I will talk about Marquez Valdez Scanlon amongst other of the Kansas City Chiefs guys. Some of the guys who like to move inside as well. Tony takes some of his slot snaps in the slot. Marquez Valdez Scanlon surprisingly has taken like forty percent of his snaps this postseason in the slot so i'd be i'm interested to see how they use him there obviously with bradbury and slay on the outside avante maddox on the inside that's probably your area that you want to target obviously kelsey will get a lot of slot snaps as well so yeah i think the chiefs playmakers along like tony style scantling maybe even sky Moore, have to get involved somehow and have to make life easier on mahomes and be able to get open defensively i'll circle nick bolton the middle linebacker of the Kansas City Chiefs, if you want to even go with Willie Gay as well, those are their two main linebackers. They're going to have their hands full with a lot of RPO stuff, of course, with how good Philadelphia's offensive line is. The second-level defenders are that much more important of filling gaps. And Dallas Goddard as well is one of the big weapons that we haven't touched on a lot 
in this Philadelphia Eagles offense. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Bolton and Gay to come up with real good performances. So those are kind of who I'm circling around in Kansas City. Outside of Tony, was there anybody specifically you kind of wanted to give a shout to? I mean, on defense, I think you look – I'm going to go – like, obviously, the Chris Jones last week had a good game. I mean, what's called also had a pretty game. I'm going to go Frank, Frank Clark, I think. Um, I mean, Chris Jones probably – obviously, he's an interior – D lineman, but obviously he's probably going to see some some double teams, and if they want to get after the quarterback against a good O line, I mean, I think Frank Clark is going to have to come off the edge and and get to Jalen Hurts, like just put pressure on him. I mean, he has five sacks on the season, and yeah, I mean, obviously the guy has been a Pro Bowler in the past, so I think Frank Clark in this one is a, is a kind of is an X factor. For them, just to get another another like legit pass rusher to get to to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Frank Clark too. It's like playoff Frank Clark definitely doesn't get a lot of notice and a lot of run. Just doing like some real quick research and stuff. I mean, in sixteen career playoff games, Frank Clark has thirteen and a half sacks. Like again, this guy's like he's a good pa- like he's a good pass rusher in the regulars. He's not great, not elite. But in the, the playoffs come around, he is an elite pass rusher. I don't know what it is. So playoff Frank Clark, they definitely need as well. That's a good observation that you make there. We'll bring it over to the Eagles now, Corn. I'll start with you. Who are you specifically circling on Philadelphia that needs to have a big game? I mean, big game. I mean, I kind of kind of give it away. I wouldn't say big game, but I do think he has to get involved. I kind of said, like, I just think Kenneth Gainwell is a guy who – He's just an X factor to this offense because he just brings another element of like what they're good at. So, I mean, obviously Kenneth Gainwell has like obviously he's not the starting running back, but I mean Miles Sanders obviously isn't going to get all the carries. I mean, if Kenneth Gainwell can be like a change of pace type back and come in and give them like five six yards per carry, that's a lot. I mean six yards per carry, but just like come in be a nice little change of pace type back, get some work out of the out of the backfield, maybe make some some catches, I think. I mean, I liked how he, how he ran against against the 49ers, even though his stats weren't great. But I think, like, he doesn't have to come in and get 10 to 15 carries. Like, if he can go out there, give you, like, I don't know, five to seven carries, and he's out there and he's able to, like, burst some runs and, and move the ball for the, for this offense when, when yeah, come in, like, on, on different downs. I think he's definitely an X factor for them to, like – beat you in different ways on, on the on the on the ground. Yeah, backup running backs would definitely be interesting on both sides of the ball. I didn't mention Jerick McKinnon, but two mm. catches in the postseason and 26 rushing yards across the two games. I know Isaiah Pacheco has been awesome for the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, don't get me wrong, he's gonna play a big role in this game, as I mentioned, the Philadelphia's bad run defense. But I would love to see McKinnon get a little bit more involved. I mean, this was a guy who caught nine cat nine receiving touchdowns this year. And then like I said, kind of has a little bit in the postseason. It'll be interesting to see if both him and Gainwell get some run as backup running backs. For the Eagles sides of things, I'll definitely circle CJ Gardner-Johnson. I'm sure he'll be the primary defender on Travis Kelsey a lot this week. Of course, obviously, Kelsey's going to get his, but it's like almost how much will he get? I'm sure between him and some of their linebackers as well, they will try to take away Kelsey. I think the big thing for the Eagles will be able to win on the outside. You'll have the Jarius Need will play in the slot a lot, so I'm definitely looking at the matchups of A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith against Trent McDuffie and Jalen Watson. Both McDuffie and Watson have been good this year, not necessarily great. Probably McDuffie, better, the better of the two. Watson a little bigger. So I think that there's a clear advantage for Philadelphia. And Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know his backstory obviously he used to be with the Giants. He, and even this time with Kansas City, loves to send pressure. And maybe that's his way of, like, getting after Hurts, he's going to go send some pressure and try to compensate for how good their offensive line is. If that's the case, you're going to see a lot of man coverage on the outside, potentially a lot of big plays to be happening, a lot of yards after the catch for either of those two receivers. So I think if either of them two could have a big game, that definitely slides into the effect with the Eagles. Whereas if Kansas City is able to win like on the perimeter defensively, I think that they shrink Philadelphia's offense enough that it gives Kansas City enough – like hope to be able to stop them within the tackles. Like if, if Philadelphia is able to win outside the tackles, then you know what I mean? Then they're going to be able to run. Like it's just going to open everything up for them. But if Kansas City can beat them on the perimeter, condense Philadelphia's offense, I think it gives them a shot to be able to stop 
their run game and their RPO game as well. With all that being said, Core, we are finally going to give you our Super Bowl 57 prediction. The Eagles are one and a half point favorites. The total of the game is 50 and a half points. I will start with you, Core. I need a final score. I need a Super Bowl MVP. And you know what, Core? I need a what's going to be your favorite song sung by Rihanna. We can say the Rihanna one first before we get into the game predictions. <laughs> you know, you kind of caught me off guard then. I mean, Rihanna, obviously good to have her have her on, but if yeah, I mean Rihanna's a goat. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's not downplay. We're not downplaying Rihanna here. Like, yeah. this, this, mean, this, this, maybe she'll sing like "We Found Love." You know that song. Found love mm-hmm. in my office. But yeah, maybe mm-hmm. something that I, I, I'd love to hear that. But mm-hmm. if we're going to go to the game. See, like, I think the Eagles have a better, just, I think they have a better team. But I just think if two weeks off for Patrick Mahomes, it's just, I, I think the Eagles, like, all around are a better team. And I said that I think if they got in a position that they'd be able to, like, win. Like, I wouldn't have a problem with them in the fourth quarter. Like, I think they'd be able to get it done. But at the end of the day, I just think Patrick Mahomes, like, you look, he obviously won against the 49ers. He lost in a Super Bowl against a guy, Tom Brady, who obviously has seven Super Bowls. I- I'm just banking on Patrick Mahomes to get this done. I'm going to go with the final to be 30-24. to 24. The Chiefs are your Super Bowl 57. Super Bowl 57 champions and, you know, MVP. Like, I hate, I hate to go chalk, but, like, you know. I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes, and that's that's my prediction. All right, Core. With that being said, I will start first with my Rihanna. I mean, I think I think we're definitely, of course, going to get Disturbia. We're going to get Umbrella. Like, I mean, those are two staples, right? Please don't, don't stop the music. That would be interesting. I don't know if she's going to go with that, but I, th- I think that would be a strong one. If going as a Rihanna fan myself, but on, on occasion. With that being said, Core, let's get back to the football game in all seriousness. I like to keep it light sometimes. Eagles is one and a half point favorites. I'm going to side with the underdog here, Patrick Mahomes. I agree with you. I think that 15 is just too special of a talent. And I think that the rosters, when you factor in the advantage that the Chiefs have at quarterback, with Kelsey being better than anybody on the Eagles roster as well, and Andy Reid coming off a bye, he's like 28-4 in his career. I think it's just a little too much. And I think that, again, when it, not that I don't believe in Jalen Hurts and the Eagles in the fourth quarter, but when it comes down to it, I'm going to go with the team that has experience in these big games. And I'm going to go with the MVP of the football of the National Football League to get me that drive when I absolutely need to have it happen. I think the game will be a little bit lower scoring than expected, as well as good as these two offenses are. I think we're going to see the football ran a lot. Maybe that just contributes to the clock taking a little bit more than expected. So I'll go with Kansas City 27, Philadelphia 21. So both of us have it being a six-point victory. And no doubt about it, Core, Patrick Mahomes being the MVP. I realistically can't see a way that Kansas City were to win and there's Mahomes no not be the MVP, right? Like you're in a kind of agreement there? Yeah, I mean, there's no way. The only possible way is if the Chiefs win this game in some close fashion and it's like low scoring and like Chris Jones has like three sacks or – Someone has like one or, or Pacheco, two. Or Pacheco ripped off like 120 and two touchdowns and they won like yeah, 20 yeah. to 12, but like 20 to 10. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the only mm-hmm. way it happened. Yeah. Where, yeah. Whereas I could see like some, but like I, I couldn't really see Sanders winning the Super Bowl MVP. I guess maybe if he has a couple rushes, not that. But like the Eagles, I could definitely see a defensive player making a huge play, like winning it there. Again, I of course, I would think it would be Hurts first, but I could even see, like, an A.J. Brown going for 120 on a huge, like, run-after-the-catch type of play that was a big-time touchdown in a big spot. So I will say that, and I will go with that. But with that being said, Court, anything you want to leave off with the Super Bowl and anything, like, remarks, anything that you're specifically looking forward to and that we haven't mentioned yet? No, nah, I mean, I don't know. What's the what's the, what's the the play for this national, national anthem? Or I don't even know who's singing it, so – like the old, I mean, honestly, I have not dived into my rabbit hole yet of if I'm going the national anthem over or under. I mean, that is a bet that is by far one of my favorite bets of Super Bowl weekend. Not even close. I don't, I don't believe in the coin toss. Corey. You want to bet on the coin toss? I'll flip a coin for you right now. No, yeah, well, the national anthem of the Super Bowl is one of the best things in America to bet on. I don't know who's singing it. Let me tell you something by 637 
on Sunday night. I will know everything about him or her. I will know every single past performance he's or her, him has done, and I will figure this out. And I hopefully will nail it. So we'll have to wait and see for that. That is definitely, like I said, one of my favorite props. And I'm, of course, looking forward to that amongst this game. Like I said, maybe the playoffs have been a little bit disappointing this year. So maybe we're kind of due for a really good Super Bowl. I don't want to say that we haven't had an incredible Super Bowl in a couple years back. But, I mean, maybe since that Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl, they've been a little on the – I don't want to say decline, but, like, maybe just a little not as uneventful. Obviously, we had that Rams-Patriots one. Then the Chiefs-49ers was, like, yeah, it was good. Don't get me wrong, but, like, it could have been a lot better. Then you had the Bucks blowout you had last year with the Rams and the Bengals. It was a good close game, but, like, I don't know. We saw a lot of punts in the third quarter. So – I don't know. I just, hope, I just hope for a really good Super Bowl kind of makes up for this whole playoffs. And like I said, we have two teams that are 14-3 and three in the regular season. Undisputably, you could say the two best teams in the NFL during the course of the season and playing the best football right now. So I'm just excited to see an awesome game. And hopefully we get an all-time game, maybe the second overtime Super Bowl. We get to finally see the new overtime rule. That would be crazy if it's finally for the first time ever we see it in the Super Bowl. That would definitely be awesome. But with that being said, that's going to do it. For today's episode, make sure you enjoy the last NFL game of the 2022-2023 regular season. Super Bowl 57 kicks off in Glendale, Arizona at Sunday at 6.37 at night. We'll talk to you after, and hopefully we'll see if our predictions are right. But that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.